cultivation of great heart there is depth and also breadth. Depth we might say is finding the sense of presence, uh, an anchoring that's not through tension or holding on to a view or an idea or a position, but just feeling the presence of your own steadiness, your own wholeness, your own that which looks after you, your own sense of sampajanya, awareness, that knows you are here, mm. that which receives all these impressions that happen to you, that which comes through every day, yeah. no matter what. So we ground ourselves in that. This is the ground or the the foundation. Without this, everything goes out of balance. Mm. We breathe into that, we breathe out into that, take refuge in that. Simplicity, real simplicity. We breathe in from that, from that ground Feeling the body swelling, expanding, stimulation, and then exhalation, softening, and the releasing. <coughs> Very well, um, simple, well tested means, you know, coming back to it time and time again. Because of all the things that keep pulling and skidding and running around and throwing us out. We need to find this internal axis. Broadening is, is when we start to um, widen through our, first through our own body, sense of widening our awareness, and starting to actually <coughs> also relate to what we're feeling. Often the priority is really to just <coughs> almost sidestep it just to get that foot on the ground and then almost naturally we come back to address some of these some of our life narratives the one that seems relevant sometimes they've been trimmed or pruned quite a bit just by that radical shift and you're not thinking very much mm more clear. And one of the natural 
um, relationship, what this means, is carried with things like love, respect, conscience, concern for the welfare of others, concern for oneself, relationships, all this, you know, the we sense. So we might even mm, consider people you know and bring the image into the mind. See if you can maintain your own sense of internal presence without losing it into some uh, reaction, worry or excitement or aversion. Breathing through these impressions. So, bringing someone into your mind, into your heart, definitely bringing them in, and yet not catching hold or pushing away or, you know, creating a lot of stuff around it. Just a very quiet, simple invitation just to be present breathing through being in the presence of another without losing your own presence sometimes it's easiest with someone relatively (coughs) relatively neutral and just you know, you haven't got a whole load of things happening. And just recognizing this neutral person, the shopkeeper or the person you see every day at work or something, also has their own colorful life, their own sorrows, joys, happiness, distress. Mm. They're not just... Uh, one-dimensional and respect letting them be the way they are taking on awareness of that not wanting to change them just first of all taking them in Waiting, that waiting in the presence, being present with that, it's not a quick flicker, but actually sustaining it, a deepening feeling for the other being, becomes something more like just like me. You know, they have their own three, four, five dimensions, not just the number, name. They're of their own richness, their own patterns and shapes, their own histories, just like me.
You might even try it with um, someone who's a famous person, you know, or a person who in one way is, is carries a lot, but you only only ever see one facet of them, like a <coughs> public public figure or a celebrity or or even uh, you know, a teacher or something. You just see one they represent one thing to you. You know. That's very strongly and clearly represent one thing. And just waiting in their presence till you can bear in mind they have they are not just one thing. There are many, many doubts and joys and everyday problems and relaxed spaces and dreams and unfulfilled wishes and you know, And then the ones who <coughs> ask or draw out the most uh, work for us, the most, uh, is when we bring in to mind someone we're quite involved with, son or daughter, partner, husband, wife, parent, someone very quite strongly involved with. And Bring them in mind. See if you can maintain your presence with all the various charge that comes with that. See the mind picks up, the heart picks up, one feels worries, concerns, sorrows, joys, a lot of stuff can start happening. Wanting them this, not wanting them that hoping they're this, feeling they might be that. You maintain your presence of breathing in, breathing out. Through all that, with all that. This takes quite a bit of work. See if you just come back to the sense of your physical form, the weight, the solidity, the warmth of your own body, subtle movement of your body, posture, bones. So that that present there is there for you, this curious phenomenon, embodiment. Just let it feeling of having a body. Mm. There being a body manifesting.
changing, flexing. sense of respect, care and concern for this too. So the great heart and the great mind, um, were chitta, <coughs> used in the Pali language, chitta is the source of all these um, psychological and emotional phenomena, thoughts bubbling up, um, perceptions as images, um, impulses, movements towards, trembling, excitement, tension, withdrawal, relaxation, resting, opening. These call these movements that we're familiar with running through mm? and these images that pop up of people and things, memories. Well, this is based in chitta. This is <coughs> translated as mind, but sometimes heart is better because we tend to think the mind is purely a um, thinking system and chitta is much more than a thinking system. Mm? Also, there's a part that uh, often gets missed in ordinary life, it gets left out, which is this quality which I'm calling awareness or presence, <coughs> which is also is chitta, it's another aspect of chitta. This is the sense which just witnesses everything. That's all it does. It just makes, it's, you could say, it's the one that everything lands on. It's the one that receives everything, the one that, and what it does is it just, it says all this is mine, all this is happening to this one, you know. It doesn't say it, it just gives you that impression. This is my thought, this is my feeling, this is happening to me. Uh, There's a kind of presence. Mm-hmm. Who the me is, is difficult to say. <laughs> But it's very it's a very real feeling, subjective presence. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, one of our experiences is just to really um go into that, um and to find that, that subjective presence, awareness actually uh, there's no personhood to it. There's nothing no no identity or name, it's not a character, it's not hasn't got any particularly just a, a, a function you might say. Sounds a bit cold. But it's um it's also but it's intelligent because it's continually receiving and when you enter it fully it gives you a sense of firmness and stability. It's also able to <coughs> release things. Mm. Because instead, and if you really enter it and and fully d- dwell in it and, and and work with it, then it's able to just maintain presence without attachment, without holding them. Because purified, so it really just is present. It's not present and adding things on to make itself more present or become something else. So when this habit of wanting to 
of becoming something, of, of, of filling up, of labeling this presence, yeah. of trying to make this fundamental sense of being something um, happy or brighter or whatever, yeah. You know, so th- this then is this sense of a certain habit is relinquished. The habit of being and becoming is relinquished. And the Buddha said this is where the, s- the suffering, the stress ends. We're not trying to make something. This habit ceases. But of course, it's not something you just decide to do because the whole thing is very reflexive. You don't decide Sometimes you do, but a lot of the time it's just compulsive. Because there's a feeling of great, something not quite right here, something missing here, something incomplete here. What is that? And as we start to kind of, something is kind of moving around, trying to fill up what seems to be a hole, or a vacant bit, or an empty bit, or a flat bit or a dull bit, or a meaningless bit. What's the point of being alive? What am I supposed to do? You know? <coughs> What's the point of being here? You know, I feel lonely, or I feel bored, or I feel useless, or not getting anywhere, or wasting my time. These kind of expressions that the chitta makes in, in its thinking or its emotions seek fulfillment. Uh, spiritual quest, um, you know, Something to fill up that, take away that unfulfilled f- sense. Yeah. So this awareness um, is there, but it needs to be worked on, or purified, or realized, or f- you know something has to be done. Mm. things we do in, in our lives as cultivators is you start to say work out a lot of the uh, understand the habits or the programs, the patterns, the behaviors we go through in trying to fill up this hole. <laughs> Going through some of these things that we, we do. Yeah. And these are not necessarily negative habits at all. We want to be helpful, we want to be useful, we like to support others, we like to have children, we like to, you know, kinds of things that we feel we want to give, we want to extend ourselves. It's interesting, isn't it? Something in us wants to, needs to take on a bit more. That's an instinct, you know. Sometimes it's just becoming a you know, a student or a, you've got to take on some kind of topic, you know, you need to extend yourself. You people doing papers on this, I mean, a friend of mine did a whole PhD on the, on the kind of grass growing along the central carriageway of the A1. <laughs> did a PhD on it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Something that needs to do some work, you know. 
We all you have children. That's a hell of a lot of work. <laughs> something in us is kind of need to to extend ourselves. Sometimes this something needs to be great, made greater, and it gets made greater finally, not only by filling up, but by actually doing some work, like extending your awareness, extending it. It's rather like you have a seed and it hasn't fully bloomed and opened. It hasn't, you've got a, a bud and it hasn't fully opened. Mm-hmm. That's the, f- so that's the, that's the, um, that's that dissonance that seems to be there. And uh, sometimes, you know, quite often we think we'll, we'll make it by, by, by putting something into it, you know, put sense objects, delights, things like that into it. Doesn't, which, you know, has an effect, but it doesn't really work as well as extending yourself with um, love, service, compassion, you know, that is actually for as people as people mature, you know, we go through these kind of phases and as you mature you find that that's actually more fulfilling than, you know, food, um, fun, travel, adventure and so on, you know. This is not moralized, it just seems to be the case. You get people who are still immature, are still running around collecting baubles, as it were. You know. But you see actually it's very unfulfilling because you don't really extend very far. You don't really deepen very much. You're just only using one particular strand, which is the acquisition. You say the erotic sense. The erotic sense, which is purely attachment. Yeah. Erotic you can have an erotic relationship with a motorbike. It's not purely sexual. Yeah. Some of my best friends had erotic relationships with their motorbikes. Because <laughs> that's what motorbikes are for, really. If you you know you don't want to ride the thing. <laughs> it's a sort of a, an object that carries so much, you know, that you just want to have it and hold it and luxuriate in it. You know, but that's about all you can so the motorbike you can fiddle with it, you know. You get um I was a friend of mine says he goes to um, various, <coughs> you know, harbors, and there's people, men, have got boats, and they spend days, lifetimes, years on their boats, and they fix their boats, and they varnish their boats, and they look at their boats, and they fiddle with the sails, and they adjust the rigging, and they tar the ropes, and they look after it, and they sit and talk about it with their friends. You know, <laughs> that's their thing. Boats, you know, they never sail the thing. You know, you may just go around the harbour once, but you mostly you just kind of do things on it, to it. And that's the kind of very, kind of, um, you know, way that often men particularly have, you know, extend themselves in that way. It's a sort of simple erotic sense, you know, fairly harmless. Useless also, but... <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> keeps them happy. <laughs> Playing golf, you know, utterly useless. <laughs> but it's safe, you know, because the the yacht never talks back. <laughs> it never has a mood. 
But actually, you know, we recognize that the, you know, the more richer we sense can other people, which actually requires a lot more because there's all, everything is changing and it's multidimensional and it draws out all the sense of uh, what we want, what we fear, how we want to be seen, we like to be liked, we like to, you know, feel we're okay with, you know, we're not being a nuisance to, and then we worry about them if they're absent, or this, that, and the other, you know. So it generally, generally just does extend a lot of the heart potential, you know, sometimes quite afflictive, you know, negative feelings, distress, grief, worry, if you these are not, yeah. and uh, but then it, it does. Uh, we we seek this because it does kind of um, it does extend, you know, something he wants to to have it more extended, and in that extension, the important thing is you always got to balance out the width and the the deep, you know, the amount of stuff you're taking on with the central axis, your own presence, your sense of this is me, this is the my bit, this is the presence, this is the, this is the axis, yeah? And the two will strengthen each other, you know, in a way being with other people actually really requires you to strengthen yourself, yeah. otherwise you just get pulled in, you know, it's like a spinning top, you just get t- topples over into uh, <coughs> adulation or um, dependent dependency or blindness you know worry or whatever get wound up with other people mm. and yet of course we are on this planet with all these other people and something in us you know it, it extends us doesn't it it means you've got to be f- more fully attuned alert and aware of the heart potential and you use it and somehow using that you start to actually energize it increase its potential Mm. so you begin to be more fulfilled in that way Mm. it doesn't mean it's happy or easy or comfortable by any means but it does mean you get it it, if you use it wisely it, it ask you to strengthen your presence and a presence that does not exclude others it's not defended so it becomes stronger because you're you're tinly testing it in this in the relational sense mm-hmm. so there are various ways so certainly even in monastic life you know well, I don't know if that seems surprising to you but of course you have many many relationships with many many people you know um, where you have concern or um, uncertainty not knowing quite how to play it intimidation anxiety fear joy warmth affection humor comparisons conceit better worse losing bereavement <laughs> the whole lot you know and it's kind of uh 
is uh, often in in uh, lay life you maybe you have t- one two three four people who are your bunch and then everybody else is kind of like just uh-huh morning that's it <laughs> in monastic life it's like uh that that inner core can get re- quite a lot of people can be in there who are not who, who are not con- you know you can't just say uh-huh to <laughs> Or you can't feel that way with you. Yes, it requires full awareness of that. Mm. <coughs> so you know, this is all an area for all of us, and it's testing. But it requires both one to establish to have your own presence, and then to not to not lean into, but not re- reject others and to extend this sense of conscience and concern the, which is the basis of the the we sense and often you know we talk about heart people will say heart is love nothing wrong with the word love as such but of course you can pack many many things under it into the, what that term <coughs> means <coughs> you know love can be the erotic relationship or it can be the relationship, uh, friends, you know, partners, friends, kind of happy, that kind of relationship with mutual peers, you might say, which is of a different character. The you know, projection is very much like one strand, isn't it? You know, means a, the other person is just one thing, just an, an object, one thing. Then you get the sense of partner, which means you're allowing them to be themselves you know independent and yet you see there's a kind of a taking on then they're not just going to be one thing they're going to be a range of things because you're allowing them to be themselves and you you also are not just getting um happy signals sometimes you need to you know you've got to support or be supported and so this is uh another kind of sense we have then there's the relationship which is more parent parental what you know we're nurturing and then there's a relationship which are much more um about just um compassion you know and so empathy the buddha when he his enlightenment after his enlightenment it was this sense that got him on the road. You know, the Brahma Sahampati said, teach the Dhamma out of compassion. There are beings with a little dust in their eyes who will be lost if you don't teach them. So the word here, compassion, is anukampang or anukampati, and it means literally to tremble. Kampar is to tremble or to resonate or to shiver. Or anu means together with. Seems a strange thing for a Buddha to be doing. <laughs> but it really means that the coming out of this very, very still state or stillness of liberation, just nothing moving, really still, and then entering into a place where you, you have to respond, where the mind is quivering. 
what's happening, affected, responding, seeking others' welfare. You know, that's a shiver, that's a, that's a movement. And the Buddha taking that on and spent from that time until his, uh, even his dying moments, he's lying under this tree, dying of uh, colic, dysentery, you know, so acute pain and, and um, enervation still in his dying moments saying, is anybody left out there who I can give some instructions to, please tell them to hurry up because I'm a, I can't last much longer. <laughs> you know, and saying, okay, if, if you're too bashful to ask you for yourself, get someone to ask for, for you. Don't let the moment pass. I haven't got much more life left. So right, it's very death wish to keep that sense of ca- compassionate concern for others. So, you know, this is a particular kind of um, love, you could say, um, which is not seeking anything for himself at all. Just choosing to be in that resonant state for the welfare of others. And being able to maintain, even in his, his deathbed, a sense of clear presence of mind, what he's doing, and uh, dying, passing away, and then, you know, and then passing to Nibbana through that. But you can see the, the, uh, the life of the Buddha is lived through this place of resonance and company for the welfare of others. And it's not that he was always successful by any means. So it wasn't like the Buddha <coughs> got out on the road and people were just going, wow, this is great, fantastic, give us more, we love you forever. But not, not by any means at all. The first person he saw just completely ignored him. And then we went to see the five disciples or his five former colleagues, they didn't want to know him either. So it wasn't like they were all, the ticker tape was coming out, you know. And then during his career as a teacher, lots of people didn't get it. Uh, some did. As ones you read it, in the, you know, you hear these stories of those who did. Many didn't get it. Some uh, accused him. Some uh, schemed against him. His own cousin tried to kill him seven times. Um, many of his disciples were continually going astray and, and missing the point of his teachings and getting up with all kinds of naughtiness. Um, you know, so it wasn't like all oh, just a continual round of non-stop success. And, uh, you know, the Buddha saying, well, when I, when I teach the monks and the monks don't understand what I'm talking about and don't practice, I'm not at all pleased but I'm equanimous. And when I do teach and they practice and they get what I'm talking about, I am pleased, but I'm also equanimous. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, the equanimity bit is that sense of you don't lose your presence in the success, failure of your attention. You extend the heart, but you don't lose presence. You don't lose the ground. Whereas most of us, 
you know, somebody with, um, do something and somebody else gets benefit. Oh, great, 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 great. We kind of fall over into it. Or we start to feel, you know, something about ourselves. We make some self-statement about that unconsciously or as a reflex. We suddenly feel we are somebody, you know. So, I, you know, you give a talk or something. Oh, it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. It's all great, lovely, most wonderful thing I've ever heard. You suddenly feel, oh, well, I'm simply some use, you know, I'm doing, you know, I'm pretty pleased. So, a load of rubbish, drivel, can't understand a word you're talking about. Don't tell you you've been practicing all these years. You know, and you think, goodness me, I'm failure, you know. <laughs> so you can swing around rather than, ah, I'm glad that they're pleased, good for them. Or, ah, oh, well, it's unfortunately that they weren't pleased. How unfortunate. You know, but staying in your own presence. You're not actually forming yourself out of the responses of others, but you're not oblivious to the responses of others. You don't say, well, that's your trip, who cares, you know? <laughs> yeah, so there, there's that. Uh, so you see how um, the in the relational sense, you know, for better, when it's good or bad, this is often where we get our immediate sense of self comes from. And so it's a place to... You realize when you, when you do, then, of course, there's the ups and the downs and the swing and the swaying and the gaining and the losing and the grief and the joy. And, it's, you know, it's, it's that kind of stuff goes on. And if it go, you can lose your sense of presence in it. You know, so it's fine to extend the heart. It's important to extend the heart. But how to not lose one's presence in that so that you can keep that heart extended quality to all beings in all states winning, losing, being liked, being disliked. Hmm? People you half know, think you know, fully know. And so you keep that sense of open heart through all of that because you have presence. Yeah. So you don't and you so you don't have the need to affirm yourself as something or to fear is something about you being taken away, you know? So somebody doesn't like me, people think I'm useless, a waste of time, pointless, get out of my life, and you, and you feel, oh dear, I'm terrible. So you feel, you know, something in you is lost. Rather than, rather than sense of, oh, she's having a bad day, or something like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, you know, right, right? you know how it is? So this, um, but then when there's uh, the this vital quality of of presence of awareness, then the basis of the extension of the heart, love of the heart, the love comes from this uh, respect, really. And respect is a bit of a starchy kind of word. Um, so it's not the greatest little word in the world. But um, when you actually understand it, you think this really is very, very precious to respect. Mm. Which means I'm aware of you, I'm aware of, I'm open to that. I'm not trying to demand you be something for me. I'm allowing you to be 
the way you are and I'm but I'm not sort of pushing you out you know and uh, it means also that we reflect and we get the sense of just like me Mm. really respect deepens the more that you understand or get a fuller recognition of self and not self self and not self are kind of the same thing actually (laughs) because it means that whenever we experience self in here in this one or elsewhere we experience a whole lot of karma we witness a whole lot of karma a whole lot of um, patterns and programs a whole lot of sankharas they're called you know the wanting comfort just like me the wishing for happiness just like me Um, the wanting to be useful just like me the fear of blame just like me the fear of pain just like me the uncertainties just like me the kind of distractedness just like me I mean different quotients different quotas of that different proportions different ways and yet just like me None of it really is a coherent entity. They're just um, patterns, psychological patterns playing out. Hmm? Yeah. All kind of built up. Hmm. And they change. But because they they repeat and go on and on, we tend to take them as being something that we really are rather than something that's happening to us we could say it's like when you go out on the road you take your car down the road drive down the road maybe you drive that same road to work every day Maybe you've got two or three roads you drive a lot. You know, the road to work, the road to your friends, the road to the shops, the road to Amrawandi. You drive there a lot. You know that road. I shouldn't think for one moment you imagine you are that road. (laughs) Just because you drive down it every day. (laughs) Because you learn, you drive down it carefully and you notice... The road's there, but actually there are subtle variations. You have to be awake in it. If you drove down those any of those roads with your eyes closed, you'd be in deep, deep trouble. <laughs> and consider the roads that your mind travels down every day. The little road called the road to worry. The little road called the road to duty. <laughs> the road called the road to comfort and happiness. We drive down those roads, not every day, but probably several times an hour. (laughs) Often blindfold. (laughs) 
So you get into trouble, don't you? <laughs> you wonder why didn't you arrive? Yeah. And we take those roads very much as a self because we use them so much. Yeah. And you see other people out in their little cars doing the same thing, <laughs> driving down the roads. What else is there to do? Hmm? <laughs> yeah. So this is what we mean by not-self. All the, all the selves are really just channels, patterns, programs, avenues, streams, currents flowing along. Isn't that interesting? So interesting that you want to drive down them with your eyes wide open. Not getting embarrassed because your road's just a little dirt track. Or your road, or, or big headed because your road's got six lanes on it, you know? It's just the road. And as you travel down those roads, your eyes awake, you start to really understand nature of roads and the nature of journeys and the nature of traveling and the nature of destinations. You understand it in a way that's much fuller than just getting as an idea. You know, the idea of not-self. doesn't work. You've actually got to, got to do it. You've got to move down it. But move down it with your eyes wide open. Keep your awareness there. Stay with it. And then you start to l- learn something. And maybe what you learn is that some of those roads, you've done them enough. Yeah. Or you can go a quicker way to comfort. You can go a quicker way to fulfillment. Yeah. Or a cleaner way. Or a tidier way a way that requires less accidents on it. Mm. You, start, you know? So the, our ability to learn and keep adjusting our apparent self, which we're doing all the time, you do it a lot when you're very young, uh, really a lot, you know, for about 18 years, you do it full time, you know? Don't you? You know, with your friends, doing different things to your hair, doing things to your body, wearing different clothes, going out, doing that, trying everything. Like a three-year-old kid is just like really trying to build highways all over the place. Yeah. And it goes on. Then after about 20 years, you think, okay, this is enough of that. I've got my thing. got my... There it is. And you settle into that. Just chug, 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 chug. You don't do so much adapting, perhaps. <coughs> <coughs> but our ability to keep uh, awake to these and maybe keep revising yeah, is because these things are not self. If they were self, they wouldn't be able to change, adapt, wouldn't be able to learn anything. They'd just be that. Yeah. So when we say they're not self, it doesn't mean you don't have any or you can't work with it or you shouldn't explore it. But you do it from a place of presence, you know, almost a kind of autonomy and interest, eyes wide open, rather than stumbling down them blindfold, like as if you've got, you've got to go there, like out of habit or a compulsion. You're interested. Does this one go there? 
Does it go there the quick way? Does this take me to happiness or not? And what are, th- are there any accidents on the road, on that road? Is it rough? Is there, a, is there a, another way, you know? Or maybe there isn't a road that goes there. <laughs> you know? And of course, the, uh, you know, the, the big thing is that the, there's no road to Nibbana. Nibbana is the end of the road, (laughs) end of the journey, end of the traveling. But to get there, you know, you you start to explore the roads you're going to do with some clarity and with some sense of um, interest, curiosity. And you see it in yourself and you see it in others and you say, good luck, I respect that. May you be well with that. You know, hope that works for you. Going interesting journey there. Mm. Going on a power trip. Good luck. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Going down the Everybody Hates Me je- Avenue. Have a nice time down there. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So whatever it doesn't, you know, it's embarrassing sometimes to see yourself going through these some of these dismal journeys. Uh, for I think for most of us, that's the way it has to be. We don't learn otherwise. Keep your eyes open; you learn quicker. That's be- that's the way you do it. Keep presence of mind. You really get to the point more quickly. But you have to actually lay it all out, extend it. So what, you know, respect is that sense of um, care, concern, and also sense of, go you know, go ahead with your eyes open. Mm. You notice when you look at this, uh, the Metta Sutta, what's called the Metta Sutta, this Buddha's words on loving kindness, it's 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 pretty um, sober, isn't it? It's not really Romeo Romeo. Um, <laughs> it's uh, even uh, whatever the, if the how accurate the English is, but it's going to say something like able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful. These are all pretty. You know, they're grounding qualities, aren't they? They're not, they're not romantic. They're not fluttering. Yeah. Saying, get, you know, if you want to extend your heart, get your ground established. <laughs> get your values set down, you know? Able and upright. Yeah. This is the sense of really establishing your own axis. What we call hiri. I've mentioned it before. Self-respect is another way of expressing this. I value myself. I set myself upright. I value that. You know, I put effort into 
establishing that sense of self-respect by refraining from things that I would regret or would degrade me or make me feel shame or remorse. Yeah? So this you could say is morality seen from the inside rather than moralizing place from the outside. Yeah? So this is the sense we have. And then <coughs> you know it goes on with quite some ways in that unburdened with duties you know it means you you don't uh you you keep that sense of who you are if you like your main presence and you don't over extend yourself in external things to the point which you lose yourself <coughs> so this is really quite an important reflection for all of us the loss of presence through too many activities you know you've got too many highways out there so you you can't drive carefully you've got so much stuff to do you really can't uh, do it fully with full awareness it's just too blurred yeah. and so what happens for when when this occurs is the first thing that happens is we lose some presence we start to get scrambly you start to start to bounce you go through the day bouncing you know, you get out of bed and you start bouncing. You hit the floor and you're bouncing. Ricochet off this and that and this and that and the duties and the times and the got to do and you bounce. And the sense of inner gravity gets lost. It's the first thing to go. Yeah. The ability to really supervise with some clarity. You get a kind of, you know, cursory supervision of yourself, but not very, very full. <coughs> So you, you go out and there's a whole planet of people in the same, doing the same thing. <laughs> Bouncing, you know? <laughs> you know, not bad, certainly not bad, but uh, presence quite diminished. Yeah. If it go, continues, the next thing that gets lost is heart. You know, real sort of a, 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 um, an emotional responsiveness. So you get this, say, particularly in places where it's very you meet a lot of people. You just can't. It's just too much. So it's just hi, hi, excuse me, sorry, thank you, bye. You know, hi, hi, excuse me, sorry, thank you, bye. You know, grunt, push, shove, pardon me, sorry, bang, crash, through. You know. <laughs> You know, because it's just too much. So, you know, one starts uh, in that situation, kind of living with with a heart really that's that's retracted. It's it's kind of put on the shelf somewhere. Yeah. So so all we have left really is a kind of the the um, do it bit, mm. the do it bit, the thinking bit of the of the mind, which is just coming out with the things I've got to do. So we lose the sense of this, we say the bottom, which is the sense of awareness, the middle, which extends our span to a compassionate, caring, respectful awareness of what's around us. What we have left is just this inner chatter of do this, do that, remember this, don't forget that, got to get there going on. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, you're really out of your mind <laughs> when it's like that. Yeah. 
So these are the times we want to diminish those those occasions or reduce those occasions, so that we because these are just quite it's 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 very it's very it's not uncommon I would say I don't know how common it is but quite usual I would say if I'm in in London for example it seems that's that's a lot of what's going on and occasionally it's lovely to see just people being able to stop and actually meet each other so it's not completely lost and yet this is quite reduced mm. and but if that is very you know continually reduced then we lose our warmth our concern our compassion and you get people get careless and reckless and even dangerous you know so this is really uh you know something to be on the lookout for because the thinking mind all it really knows how to do is to tell you what to do that's what it's about how to, it's an organizer that's what it does it organizes that's that's its function which is great <coughs> it's good to have a secretary but this is a secretary without a boss and without uh you know so it's just kind of jabbering away writing notes and it will all, that's all it knows how to do so it will keep doing that and all the energy goes into that and you find you've got lots of things to do because the thing just keeps telling you all the things you got to, could do should do get done by april get done by 2015 uh, remember this and so and so and what he said and auntie so and so's birthday and the dog and goodness me and the house needs doing this and the car isn't fixing what about one of those and they're there for Christmas and how you get the money from <laughs> and after all you can't buy that and it's cheaper to go down that shop which drive over there if I bought some dog food and mind you on the other hand it's just you know also trying to give you, get you to have a life of quality but actually, in the present moment, life is just uh, shambles, you know. <laughs> so, uh, and it's, 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 you know, so it really isn't filling you up with presence at all. It's filling one up with, with um, these kind of virtual flickering realities. Mm-hmm. Do you ever find yourself having planned a whole something, and then on the day? You know, it doesn't happen because the first element in the plan doesn't happen. You've got this whole scheme worked out about what you're going to, the kind of flowers you could have put on the table for the guests, you know, when they come for dinner. And it turns out it's the wrong day and you're, you've got down to the last detail and then nobody turns up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or you forgot to send out the invitation. <laughs> Did you ever find that? Or, you know, it's kind of we get our worry scenarios about what we're going to say to the boss if so and so and so and he calls you into the office and you think right I've got the whole strategy planned and they just says oh good fine nice to see you have a raise or something like that yeah. I don't know who it is but losing presence yeah. so and then the, the quality of um, respect concern and from that this warm-heartedness towards oneself and towards others 
not because there's something wrong, but because it, it you know, if the heart isn't actually engaged, it can't be warm. You can't, you know, cause you, if it's somewhere else. So to do that, we have to actually come back to being able to be present and in order that the heart can extend because if you, if you haven't got that firm inner ground, it's quite risky to extend your heart to open up to others because not everybody's going to be handing out flowers, are they? So you get quite bruised and raw. Yeah. The, the, it's, it's great if, it, if everybody's, you know, what's around you is, is good and happy and benevolent, but you can't always expect that. Isn't the case everybody's going to be in a good state of mind? So if you're kind of open hearted without true presence, you just get shredded. <laughs> and maybe after a while you start to learn that, so you kind of close up a bit, yeah? Or perhaps you don't know how to close up. But to be open-hearted, you have to have the presence to mean you're not going to get thrown by what you receive. The praise, blame, gain, loss, disgrace, favour, stuff, which is called the world, worldly dumbers. That needs presence. And you build it up through such things as meditation, Obviously, the presence, and then in relationship, it's self-respect, respect for others. Mm-hmm. Means, you know, doesn't means you you don't lose your presence with other people. Doesn't mean you ignore them, but you can, you don't lose that, and you can extend from that. So this is, you know, this is kind of the advice in the Metta Sutra is all this, these practices that really let one not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. This is the quality of Ottapa, which is the partner of Hiri. Ottapa means I am concerned for um, the wise remarks of other beings. So if you know somebody points, some, I don't like to do something that either di- disgraces them or abuses them or um, you know hurts them you know, because I have concern for their welfare respect for them so when we keep these two things in mind this is the firm foundation for a presence that can enter into not just the solitary singularity but a, a dimension of relationship and then naturally within that we get a sense of warmth and that can be possible sometimes it isn't so possible you know sometimes it can deepen sometimes it doesn't this is dependent on karma you might say on uh, on how people fit together mm. rather mysterious process but warm lukewarm <laughs> whatever it is you know, uh, then we still retain that quality of, of respect for self, respect for others. We keep our presence, and then compassion can occur. You know, which finally is is uh, an ideal because 
you know, whether you actually really understand or really find yourself matching and swinging along with other people or this individual or not, you can still experience compassion. And that's the extending of the heart which does not ask for anything in return. The beauty of that is it's very wide and it's held by presence, presence of mind. This is the love of a Buddha. It's our highest aspiration in relationship. So, as we practice today, during the retreat, then it's always useful to, to check out how you're First of all, you know, the, we say the kitchen sink compassion is how are you receiving yourself, your feelings, your thoughts, your seeming, you know, progress or lack of progress, your discomforts, the whole range of stuff that's coming up. Can you maintain presence with that? Doesn't mean you have to like it, but you're not seeking to make some self statement out of it. You let it be as it is. You're wide awake to it. Now, this is actually the place where a true sense of self-respect, which is the understanding of not-self. Compassion is the self-respect understands not-self. This is just stuff happening. Yeah, we respect the fact that it's happening for us right now, you know, and there's no aversion to that or blaming of that. There's an openness to that. There's a seeking for peace, harmony with that, for healing that, rather than trying to find oneself or get rid of things or build oneself up as something. So much of this practice really hinges around relationship to karma, to sankharas, to forms, to, to behaviors internally. You get this right, this is the ground from which one's able to fully understand and relate to other people. So this is our, our, our work and our opportunity uh, to to bring us into the sense of the the heart is made great, it's fulfilled, it's completed, it's done its business. We've worked it out. (laughs) And then if you really worked it out, say, now that there's enough, there's no more to do, don't have to come back again. (laughs) End of the road. So, let's take a, um, do some standing meditation, yeah? So you have to shake your legs around.